Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio, going to be with you for the next half hour, and we got a lot to get to today. Joining us on the program, you know him as our recurring guest, Curran Batia. He is the host of the Ask the Experts podcast. We're going to get into all the Canelo stuff. We're going to get into the October uh, schedule. We're going to spend a lot of time on the Canelo stuff because he is now suing De La Hoya, the zone, and all that. We're going to get deep into all that and more uh, with with Curran Batia. Uh, and there's a lot to get to. There's a lot to unfold. This is a jam-packed episode. If you're watching us over on YouTube, thank you very much. Uh, check us out over on Apple Podcasts as well. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And if you're watching over on the Fubo Sports Network, we appreciate you every single Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch this very show. Now, listen, I wanted to talk about something that is very important in boxing and something we saw over this past weekend that had nothing to do with Canelo Alvarez and that whole side of the litigation. This has to do with the general ineptness. And I'm talking about the commissions, once again. Uh, Las Vegas and California in particular, taking turns, setting the sport back, and you know a lot of confusion and a lot of bad calls. And we'll start on Saturday night in the Jamel Herring fight where we saw something uh, that was just utter confusion and it happened on live television. When you had referee Tony Weeks made the initial call, the correct call, Jonathan Oquendo, the opponent of Jamel Herring, repeated headbutts uh, to Jamel Herring. One of them over his eye ended up not being able to see. But referee Tony Weeks took a point away initially and under the ABC Ver- Unified Rules, which are in Las Vegas, he was supposed to take two points away for that. That's mistake number one in this fight from the, Las- uh, from the Las Vegas Commission. Mistake number two, and this is per the ABC Unified Rules. If a fighter cannot continue due to an intentional foul, he is awarded a technical decision. And they go to the scorecards if he's up on all three cards. And since Herring was up on all three cards, that's what should have been the call. But what did they do? Bob Bennett and his team, they gave Jamel Herring a DQ win. Yes, the right man won, but where did they get that from? Why did they need to have five minutes of confusion on live television, on ESPN? If the own commissions can't figure out the rules, or they don't understand the rules, how are us fans at home supposed to figure them out? How are we supposed to follow along? Over to Saturday, Sunday night. This is over in, in California. This is one that's a lot easier to digest, and this is a lot easier for fans to understand to come to grips with. This was just a plain old bad scorecard, something we've seen for years now happening in boxing. Dr. Lou Moret, come on down. You're the latest in the long line of bad scorecards, especially during this pandemic. He scored the Jordanis Ugas-Abel Ramos fight 117 to 111 for Ramos. Nine rounds to three. Abel Ramos, what fight was he watching? Ugas outlanded Ramos better than 2-1. to one. He outthrew him. He outlanded him. He outworked him. It was a massive performance by your Dennis Ugas. Lumaret sees it as 9-3. to three. Marcos Villegas, the unofficial scorer for Fox, who I have a lot of respect for, and this dude usually nails it with his scorecards, had it close to a, a blowout, had it close to a shutout for your Dennis Ugas. He doesn't give out 120 to 108 uh, that, that often. Just as blasphemous as Dr. Lou Moret's card was, I don't want to hear that the right guy won because Zachary Young had it 115 to 113 for Ugas. 
Edward Hernandez, senior, had a 115-113 for Ugas. If either of those scorecards, one round goes the other way, you're looking at a draw. These terrible calls, these terrible cards, they overshadow Lumeret's card. Listen, we have some of the best fans at Inside Boxing Live, the most knowledgeable fans tuned into the show week after week. How about you become a judge? You become a judge. It's very easy. As you can see, they're popping up all over my face. These are all the different ways to sign up to become a judge. The biggest states that allow boxing, California, Nevada, New York, and Texas. These are all the ways that you could become a judge. Be the change you want to see in the world. Become a judge. If one guy that's watching this becomes a judge and they churn out better scorecards than we saw this past weekend, then I feel good about it and I feel great. I'm going to calm down. On the other side of things, we're going to talk to Karan Bhatia. Okay, Karen, it's time to talk about the biggest story in boxing. Not just boxing, this is a big story in all of sports. You have this, the biggest star in Canelo Alvarez suing Oscar De La Hoya, suing DAZN, suing Golden Boy. You're going to have to discuss it. This is a story that broke on late on Tuesday night. Uh, Mike Coppinger of The Athletic reports that Oscar De La Hoya, unhappy, we've heard about how unhappy he was with everything that was going on with DAZN, uh, you know, the fights and all that, and it all came to a head when we find out that he is, in fact, taking them to court, Los Angeles federal court, Oscar De La Hoya is uh, on the hook here, as well as zone and uh, Canelo's not happy. I want to get your initial thoughts on this, and and just from a, a short-term standpoint, this absolutely sucks. This sucks for, for fight fans. We've seen this story play out. Uh, most recently, Andre Ward and Mikey Garcia uh, were suing their respective uh, promoters. They were out of the ring for multiple, uh, maybe going on a year or two for Mikey Garcia, and I have to go back and look for Ward, but it was a substantial amount of time. This sucks in the short term because Canelo sits out. In the long term, maybe Canelo gets out of this deal you know, looking ahead and skipping over some things. Maybe he gets out of this deal, becomes his own promoter. He can take it to pay-per-view. We can go to Fox. He can go to ESPN. And who knows? We might not get a, a, a lot of, bit of uh, you know, small fights working out. Maybe just big ones. And uh, he recoups the money that way. So this can go a lot of different ways. But your initial thoughts when you first heard about this Canelo news. This is terrible for boxing fans. We want to see the best fighters in the ring. Canelo Alvarez uh, in the top of the pound-for-pound pound list, at the top of popularity, as we know. We want to see him fighting top opponents. That's clearly not happening, and that's going to be halted for a while now with this lawsuit. Um, it's also been a, a tough 24 hours for the zone. We saw reports on Twitter and elsewhere that they're having layoffs uh, in the in the U.S. office. They're going to look more at a global brand and look more at global type of programming. So that's not a good thing necessarily for uh, American boxing audience. And I think the biggest issue, if you look into this lawsuit and what the what the problems are, seems to be this whole premium opponents, right? <laughs> what is a premium opponent? What's not? And Dan, I know we're going to get into this, but uh, the, the initial reports seem to be that the zone said a, a premium opponent would be Oscar De La Hoya, who's 47 years old, Khabib Nurmagomedov from the UFC, a mixed martial artist, and uh, Jorge Masvidal, also from the UFC. So it seems like, in their mind, uh, what they think is a premium opponent is an opponent that can get a lot of eyeballs and attention, not necessarily the best boxing match that's possible. Yeah, I don't even know where to go with that. Uh, I mean, that was the biggest thing that you took from this, or I think a lot of fight fans are, are seeing, you know, a lot of uh, people... Reporters on Twitter are, are putting out excerpts from the 24-page document, and that's part of it. It's part of it. It wasn't actually in the document, those names, but Dan Rayfield reported that that the zone was... They don't deem, like, a BJ Saunders. They weren't deeming a Callum Smith as a premier opponent. They were going towards a circus event. They were going towards a crossover event. So they want the zone's executives, the guys that make the decisions at the top, 
They want Canelo Alvarez, a guy who's just turned 30 years old, who's building, already has a Hall of Fame resume and is going towards all-time greatness, to fight one circus-type event per year. I think that is a lot to ask for Canelo. Who knows if he even signed up for that? Another thing I want to know is when did they pivot to those types of fights? Was this known in the 2018 deal that we want you to fight these types of opponents, these types of, you know, crossover events? Or is this something that happened when things went south, when they started to lose subscribers, whatever the case may be, not from the, not getting the biggest fights or uh, the, the COVID-19, which they say this has nothing to do with COVID-19. That's another thing as well, is that the, the zone that's what came out last week, is that cutting Canelo's purse in half has nothing to do with COVID. It has to do with us being unhappy with some of the opponents that they have not been able to produce for us, most notably Triple G. But if you take a look at the, the, you know, the lawsuit, they never had to sign off on an opponent. The zone didn't have any say. It was up to Golden Boy. It was that's when Golden Boy went and said, yeah, we, we promised that he'll fight Triple G, even though they had no signed deal for this. So there's a lot to unfold here. There's a lot of, it's, a, it's like a triangle of, of, of just, just ridiculousness going on in the boxing world between the biggest star and I think we're all losers. I mean, this isn't a good thing unless something comes out of it where, where we get triple, uh, Canelo back in the ring soon. But we've seen this play out numerous times. That's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, Dan Rafael said earlier, it seems like the zone is having buyer's remorse, and that does seem to be the case. But we do have to look at, right now, we're hearing the Canelo Alvarez side of things, right? He's we, he's putting out the lawsuit. We're seeing the excerpts. He's saying that, according to his paperwork, the zone did not have a right to refuse opponents. We don't know for sure if that's true or not. We don't know what the relationship exactly was like. Maybe it was like uh, Canelo says, or, or mandatory... Um, uh, mandatory opponents come into play, like Avni Yildirim or whatever, and then the zone says, we don't want that. Fight someone that has a, a better, you know, is more well-known and things like that. So we don't know exactly what's going on. But bottom line is we want this deal to work out because at the end of the day, we want to see Canelo Alvarez fight for what used to be $10 a month, now $20 a month, not on pay-per-view. That's a good thing. So it would be good for us if they are able to figure out a way to make these big fights happen. And if you look at who Canelo fought in the zone deal, he fought... Rocky Fielding in the first fight, a tall opponent. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the easiest fight. Canelo looked great. He fought Daniel Jacobs, who's absolutely no slouch, a, a great competitor at top of the division. And then Sergey Kovalev, we know that that is an aging star, and that was probably going to be an easier fight, but still a challenge moving up to light heavyweight. So it's been interesting fights for Canelo, but it doesn't seem like the zone necessarily is interested in interesting fights or even top boxing matchups. They want things that'll move the needle. We know that they were involved in, in Logan Paul versus KSI, right? And then there was rumors that Logan Paul uh, may fight Antonio Brown or whatever. They, yeah. they are interested in these fights because they move the needle and get the public consciousness into becoming a subscriber. That's what it's about, getting these subscriber numbers up. Um, but as I said, right now we have to be a little bit wary because we are here, we are seeing the Canelo Alvarez side of things. I want to see the zone response to all of this. Yeah, it's funny. Canelo Alvarez is, a, is known as a counterpuncher. But he put out the first punch uh, when it comes to this uh, lawsuit. And you brought up you know, Danny Jacobs. You brought up uh, the Rocky Fielding fight I do not think was part of the initial DAZN uh, uh, contract with them. You brought up Kovalev and you brought up Dan uh, Daniel Jacobs. They sure as hell paid Daniel Jacobs what would be a premium fight. I think he got somewhere close to $12 million to fight him. So somewhere along the line, things changed drastically. Listen, none of us are lawyers. Uh, if we were, we wouldn't be doing this show. We wouldn't be spending all, all along on Twitter. We're going to follow along and keep an eye on this story. On the other side of the break, we're going to get into some of the other big topics going on in the world of boxing as well. Karen, I'm not ready to move off this topic. It's uh, multi-layered. There's a lot to digest and there's a lot to 
to unfold with the sport's biggest star potentially hitting the free agent market. That's something I want to talk about with you here. And now let's just say, let's play devil's advocate and Canelo, he is a free agent and he's now willing and able to go to any of the other entities in the world of boxing. And who knows when this is? This could be a year from now. This could be a couple months. Like we said, we're not lawyers. We don't know how this is going to play out. And if you think you know it's going to play out, you're wrong. You don't know. But let's just do that. Let's let's look ahead and say that Canelo Alvarez is a free agent. You know, there's also, he can do a fight-to-fight -fight deal. He can go to pay-per-view. But the one thing that I thought about with this, with this contract and this deal is that $35 million was a great safety net for Canelo. We don't know how the pay-per-view market is going to be. It's fluctuating year by year. No longer are you getting these 1 million buys uh, like he had against Triple G. You don't know what you're going to get, but when you have a deal like this that's structured to 35 million no matter what, a lot of those headaches are gone. You might not get the upside of a, you know, an $80 million deal, but you know you're getting 35 million. But we don't know what's out there. If he goes to PBC, that would, you probably would make the most sense considering what they have at 168 uh, and maybe getting on Fox or Showtime is a great thing for Canelo. What do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. I actually think there's a better landing spot. When Canelo first signed the deal with the Zone, he said that he was happy that his fans could watch his fights for ten dollars. Now we know the price is twenty dollars, or if you do a year, it can be less than ten dollars. But the point is, it's more reasonable than buying a seventy-five dollar pay-per-view. If he actually believes that and wants his fans to see a cheaper fight, maybe the issue isn't actually the Zone, but Golden Boy Promotions. We know that him and Oscar De La Hoya have clashed before, and maybe he can jump ship to Matchroom. We know Eddie Hearn and Matchroom have the relationship with the zone of course maybe they can tap into keeping him into the zone make the triple g fight happen do some fights in europe so that seems to be an interesting landing spot obviously we know if he's going to go full free agent um even though i don't think that that's likely because he's claiming 280 million dollars in damages it doesn't seem like the zone or golden boy or whoever is going to want to pay for that instead i think they would just prefer to pay 35 million for subpar opponents they're not going to want to pay this all this money for getting nothing in return but let's say he goes full nuclear he's full free agent obviously we know espn and top rank would be another suitor because who wouldn't want one of the top stars in the in the sport on their roster um i actually think going to matchroom would make the most sense or of course if they can somehow work this out with golden boy in the zone and make this third triple g fight uh get 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 some get some eyeballs back on, on uh subscribers and we do have to talk about also mention all of this was the zone wanted canelo to fight on a skyscraper i guess they're looking for interesting and wait, innovative wait. places for them to fight so does that mean that king kong was one of the premier opponents on the list <laughs> i don't know if he's if he makes a, a premier opponent that's a question that's a good question that is a good question <laughs> but you bring up matchroom i want to know what, what matchroom's plan is in all this eddie hearn's been awfully quiet i've heard rumblings that you know the matchroom usa roster you know, what is of it, Devin Haney or Andre, uh, you know, there's some good American fighters that are on that. Where are they going to be fighting? There is this, there's a lot of question marks with that. But how about in terms of Canelo being a free agent, why can't he take the Miguel Cotto route that we saw later on in his career, going from platform to platform or going to the best deal that makes the most sense? You know, this is Canelo Alvarez, after all. He can call the shots. He can, uh, you know, pick up whatever opponent he wants. He can make a lot of money, say, if he wanted to fight a Charlo on PBC, put it on Fox pay-per-view. The one th Detriment of the zone. I have been a big supporter of the zone. Ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month is a great value for boxing, but it also it prevented a lot of the biggest fights from happening. A lot of these crossover, and I'm not talking crossover fighting, uh, Khabib. I mean, f going across the street and fighting a, a Charlo. That's not possible when you are on the zone. You can't have a streaming service team up with a Fox, you know, traditional pay per view. We saw it happen. You know, it was one of the, the things that was going to stop Joshua and Wilder from fighting. We saw it happen with Fury and Wilder coming together, ESPN and Fox. So maybe Cotto can, uh, can finesse. I'm sorry. Maybe Canelo can, can finesse this. 
because he is a businessman. He's learned a lot in his short time in boxing. He can finesse it. He can uh, go fight per fight. He can make the most of it. I, I think that is another avenue uh, that Canelo should take. On the other side of things, Koto, uh, I'm calling you Koto. Kern, we're going to talk about some of the biggest fights that are on the October schedule. There are bo There is boxing to talk about. We don't have to talk about litigation and bad calls and bad decisions. There are some big, big fights coming up in October, and we're going to get to those. Okay, current from the courtroom to the closed arenas for boxing, looks like October is coming into form as Top Rank unveiled their schedule for October, which added on to what we already had in October, makes it a really good month of boxing. We're finally seeing some big fights. There's a lot of title fights. There's a, a couple of unification fights that are happening at the end of September into October. You know, the fights that I am look, most looking forward to, I want to see this Jose Zapata versus Ivan Baranches fight. It's going off at 140. The 140-pound division is starting to heat up. We just saw Jose Ramirez uh, with his win over uh, Victor Postal. Right off the bat on October 3rd, we're seeing a, a lot of action right there. Following up with that, Emmanuel Navarrete. He's going up against Ruben Villa. That's his WBO featherweight title on the line. You know, Lipinets is in action. Better Biev is in action. He also is trying to uh, defend his title at 175. He's looking at a clash with Joe Smith down the line. And of course, Javante Davis and Leo Santa Cruz as well. So there is a lot of big fights. The fight that you're most looking forward to in October is? A lot of stacked fights. I am definitely circling on my calendar, Inoue versus Maloney. I think it's, it's you know, we're getting an opportunity to see one of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters. And, and some of the stuff we've been talking about is we, nece we haven't necessarily been able to see some of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters, right, due right. to COVID and due to everything else. We mentioned Canelo. Anthony Joshua, hopefully he'll fight this year. Terrence Crawford, maybe he's going to fight Kel Brook. We don't know. Uh, Triple G, we haven't really heard much. Pacquiao, who knows? So you're getting a top guy to come back, and he's fighting Maloney. We saw him in the bubble. We saw what he could do, so it'll be somewhat of a test. We saw the, the super interesting fight between Inouye and Donaire at the end of last year. It was itching for you to see more of the monster, and uh, for me, that's the one I have circled on my calendar. And then, of course, uh, a close second for me, Tank Davis versus Leo Santa Cruz. That'll be another all-action fight. Let's talk about Leo Santa Cruz and, and Javante Davis, a fight that is kind of like you know getting pushed aside. I, I think Showtime will start to pull out their uh, promotional arm here and get this one going. It's an interesting fight, man. The more closer we get to it, the more excited I am from a, from a stylistic standpoint. Javante Davis, the power punching. Well, we all know what he can do, but has problems with his weight, has problems with his uh, engine. You saw that uh, in his last fight with Gamboa. He kind of ran out of steam towards the end of the fight. I wouldn't say that was a great uh, performance from Javante Davis. And Leo Santa Cruz, obviously been in a lot of wars, was a ton of punches, but even his punch output is starting to sort of to, uh, go down a little bit, starting to decline. That's an interesting, intriguing matchup. You know, who are you edging right away off, off the bat? Because uh, I feel like there's a lot of different opinions on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think Tank Davis will find a way to, to get it done. I think um, when he's motivated, we've seen good things from him. Uh, obviously, in his last fight, it, it seemed like he was a little slow. But then at the end of the day, he did get the knockout win. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that one. I think the biggest thing about this schedule that we have to look at is that we hope that most of these fights happen. I mean, we talk, we saw Jamel Herring fight recently. His fight was postponed two or three times because of coronavirus. That can change training. That can change, uh, you know, you'll have an inconsistent training camp. You you may not have all the things you used to have. That may force uh, your, your fight to get postponed because someone in your camp has a positive test. Right. So the biggest thing for me is like, I just hope we see most of these fights. Right, and then we didn't preface this whole segment by saying that obviously, Obviously, uh, yes. Teofimo Lopez versus Vasil Lomachenko is the fight that we're all looking forward to, but we're going down a little bit. We're going into the weeds here. Uh, you know, another one that has been 
been talked about and rumored, and we don't know if it's actually going to happen. It's also on Halloween night, as we can see Alexander Usyk going up against Derek Chisora. That right there, I mean, that's a good night for uh, for fight fans. And I talked about this on on my last show. We're not going to imagine seeing an, uh, in, in a way and an Usyk on the same card on Halloween night. Think about the promotion you can do for that. Think about what you can do, the monster and Usyk on Halloween night. That's going to be awesome. But nonetheless, we still potentially could see the Usyk fight in Jazor. The last I heard was that they were having, they were fighting over money. You know, there, there's no live gate. The, the UK is flirting with maybe having fans in there, but they're arguing over money. We got to see Usyk. This is a guy that many have on their talking about pound for pound list in terms of cruiserweight. Only one fight at heavyweight, and that seemed like it was an eternity to go. I want to see Usyk in there. I want to see what he's really got, and I think it's a really stiff test going up against a guy who's been in tough with uh, that's that's Chisora. Yeah, I mean, uh, fighting about money—that that's shocking in boxing. I've never heard that. Can you Dan. believe it? Uh, I can't believe it. That's crazy. And yeah, I think the uh, the promotion writes itself there. You take the photo of of Usyk doing his <laughs> smile, this yeah. kind of creepy, deadly smile, and then you have the monster. I mean, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I, I hope that these fights to come together. It's a lot of fighters that we've heard of, uh, a lot of top quality names, and I think what's good about when this uh, pandemic first started, we were just getting fighters in there. Now we're getting better matchups, matchups right. that we're excited about that we don't necessarily know the winner of. So let's bring it on, man. Let's bring on the fall. And then we know looking a little bit ahead, we have NBC Sports entering the game as well in terms of the boxing landscape. So definitely exciting things ahead for, for boxing. Yeah, Ring City. Ring City is supposedly coming to ES to uh, NBC Sports Network. It's going to be like a no-promoter uh, you know, uh, they're not going to be obligated to put on fights under a certain promoter. They're going to buy the best fights. They're going to go for it. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about that plan. I think, you know, if you can recreate, uh, it's just hard to think to do. Recreate what they were doing on the USA back on Tuesday Night Fights, which is not easy because it would have been done already. Uh, but if you can recreate maybe a Thursday night thing where the fans know what they're getting. You can't, you know, fool boxing fans. If you let them know that, listen, this isn't like a top fight. There isn't a lot of expectations, but it's a good prospect going up going in tough getting tested or just whether it's a good prospect getting tv time i think that's a really good revelation and i'm glad that you brought up that that ring city that's coming to nbc sports network a shout out to everyone that's putting that together uh that's it Karen. i really appreciate you coming on the show with us uh this week uh we're gonna play some golf on friday we have a big golf match me versus you and the douglaston golf course if any fans want to uh show up and root us on in the gallery wear your mask because i'm coming for you man Hey, if you if you come for me, I may have to file a lawsuit against uh, CompuBox, Inside Boxing <laughs> Live. Um, there's a couple other entities there. I just want you know may have to look for my buyout. Litigation, that's the hottest thing going in the streets right now. Thank you, Karan Patia, once again for joining Thanks us. So Check much. out his podcast, Ask the Experts Podcast, doing great things in the world of boxing. We'll see. We'll talk to you soon, Karan. Thanks, Dan. Special thanks to our guest, Karan Bhatia, once again for hopping on with us to dissect the breaking news. That is Canelo Alvarez suing Golden Boy, suing DAZN, suing everyone, fighting on skyscrapers, taking on UFC stars. Just another week. That's another day in the world of boxing, man. Every single day you wake up, you open up Twitter, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Especially in the real world, in boxing, everywhere, up and down. It's just been a crazy time uh, to be a fight fan. And also, keep the takes coming. I see a lot of people disparage the fans out there for offering their takes on uh, stuff that happens when it, when it comes down to lawsuits and ratings and what have it. You know, fan is short for being fanatical. Go out there and spit your takes out there. Let it be known. That's part of being a fan. You can allowed to speculate on everything you want to see. Uh, for boxing this weekend, ESPN Plus is back in action with Mean Machine coming off of uh, his loss to Terrence Crawford. You know, Mean Machine did land 
the most punches ever on a Terrence Crawford opponent. Uh, Mar uh, Miguel Mariaga versus Joette Gonzalez, I think, will probably be the best fight of the weekend. And lastly, before we say goodbye, don't forget, fill out those forms. Become a judge. Do it. That is your service as a fan. We'll see you next week for another edition of Inside Boxing Live.